0: evolution of the brown bag eater. I don't know what that means. I think poor people eat out of brown bags. They drink their alcohol out of brown bags? Closer. <laughs> Welcome to the Four Corners Crimecast. My name is Jake. My name is Roy.
1: And I'm your host Katie. And today we are talking about part two of William Lee Neal.
0: And uh, where did we leave off last week Katie?
1: So last week we left off with Neal having just murdered three women with a splitting maul to the head, and Suzanne Scott went to a mattress, forced to watch as Neil killed Angela Fight in front of her. And then before we get started, too, I want to mention that I fucked up last week, and I said Betty Weeks, but her name is Beth Weeks. Betty is Angela Fights' mother.
0: Ah. Well, it takes a big person to admit they made a mistake, Katie. All right, Katie, why don't you go ahead and start us off?
1: After murdering Angela, Neil sat and watched television for a while before removing all his clothing besides his shirt, laying down next to Suzanne, untying one of her arms, and telling her to masturbate him.
0: Now, what was he watching? I was just about to ask that same question when this got him all riled up.
1: I don't think it was anything in particular. I think it was just whenever was on TV.
0: Probably the price is right. Once he got tired
1: of that, he pointed a gun to her head and forced her to give him oral sex next to Angela's dead body. After asking if she wanted to die, Neil made her get on her hands and knees on the mattress and raped her. When he was finished, he tied her back up, but left one of her wrists free.
0: Why did he leave one of these wrists free?
1: I think it was trying to, like, show some humanity. Huh. He was trying to be a good guy, basically. He sat back down in the chair next to the mattress and continued to watch a movie, which happened to be Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. After some time, Neil randomly began to explain his actions to Suzanne. Rebecca and Candace had betrayed him and had fair warning.
0: Not really a good reason. And also not the reason that she's there either, so I don't really get why he explained it to her. Trying to be a
1: good guy again. He's Ah.
0: spilling his guts. He can't keep his guts to himself.
1: Angela had to die because she knew his secrets, even though he didn't actually want to do
0: it. And this is another reason not to tell secrets. Because two people can only keep a secret... If one of them is dead, there's a song or something about that.
1: I feel like if you're just a good person, you can keep a secret.
0: What secrets are you keeping, Katie?
1: I've got lots of them.
0: And Katie's holding in all the secrets? I have secrets that I don't tell people. I know Rory's secrets. Yeah, Jake. I guess they're not secrets as soon as somebody knows about them, huh? Am I in danger? Yes. No, of course not.
1: I mean, that it's keeping somebody else's secrets. Like, you trust Jake to keep your secrets right. He doesn't have to be dead for you to trust him.
0: I don't know. I, I, it doesn't make any sense. Any of his reasoning behind this wouldn't make any sense. He wasn't a man of reason. He was more just uh, a man who wanted to spill his guts to everybody.
1: Thinking on her feet, Suzanne told Neil he was right. The woman couldn't be trusted. Using her free hand, she had Neil come sit with her and hold her hand. So if she were to fall asleep, she would know if he got up to get the splitting mall.
0: I can definitely relate to Suzanne here. Oh, you've been chained to a mattress and had to hold your rapist's hand to make sure you didn't murder you as well? No, I have the same uncanny ability to sleep in all situations, so I have to be afraid that I might fall asleep, leaving myself suspect to things. And so she thought ahead because she knew she was probably going to fall asleep.
1: Neil made no attempt to kill Suzanne and said the two slept next to each other until morning.
0: See, she's honestly a survivalist, I think, or something. She just adapts to whatever situation and does whatever she has to do alive, holding hands. I actually don't think that she's in control of whether or not she stays alive here. Like, that's the thing, is that she's agreeing with him and doing these things to hold off what she probably feels is the inevitable until someone can come help. I think she's smarter than him. Oh, she definitely is.
1: She is, but if he had made up his mind to kill her she would die either way she was in a totally vulnerable position so no matter what she did she would be murdered if Mm -hmm. he wanted to murder her he didn't want to that's why she's alive once he was awake he untied her and had her get dressed and into his car they drove to suzanne's apartment where she unpacked from their quote-unquote trip then he took her to a bar for a drink and lunch after they'd eaten they ran errands together picking up cigarettes tums nyquil a tape recorder and a rented movie which was the jackal that Neil hoped would help Beth Weeks understand what he did for a living.
0: I haven't seen this movie that you're talking about, but I did watch a video of a real jackal, and he was pretty healthy looking, and he was rolling around in seal shit to disguise himself as a seal, because he couldn't sneak up on the seals. So, if this guy was trying to say that he had beautiful fur until he rolled in shit, then I guess he'd be like a jackal. Well, the plot of the jackal is actually this, and it's very interesting. Bruce Willis plays an assassin, and... After this international organization, including the FBI, kills a Russian uh, mobster's son, they then hire the jackal to go kill someone in the United States who turns out to be the president. So Bruce Willis comes over to the United States, and the only way that the FBI or whoever can actually find him is by getting a man out of prison, a prison, man by the name of Richard Gere, who then comes in and tries to track down the jackal before he can kill the president, but he actually does this thing where he gets a big gun, puts it on a stand that moves around to shoot the president, and Jack Black's in it, and he gets his arm shot off. It's excellent. Did he roll in president shit so he could sneak up on him? No, but he does have sex with a man.
1: He had told Beth that he was a hitman, which is basically as Rory explained what the movie is about.
0: But it's deeper on so many levels.
1: Have you seen it?
0: The jackal? Yes, of course.
1: Okay, and you googled it and just found a video of a jackal? <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, I typed in the jackal, and the first thing that came up was a jackal trying to hunt a seal.
1: Once back at the apartment, they sat and waited for Beth to return home. She had no idea anything was wrong, and happily watched the movie with the two before they all sat down at the kitchen table.
0: She wasn't much for reading the room, was she? It's just a weird vibe. There had to be a weird vibe, that's what I'm saying! She probably just thought it was from the movie.
1: Neil asked Suzanne to explain to Beth what she'd seen. She tried, but she couldn't speak through her tears, so Neil told the story instead. He then told them that if they wanted to survive, they had to follow his exact orders. He then made them sit there while he used the tape recorder to record a two-hour-long confession.
0: Now, is this confession tape available anywhere? No. Oh, that's too bad. I bet it was crazy. Was it just him talking for two hours?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. After he was done, the women were allowed to go to their rooms and sleep.
0: Why did he make them watch him make said recording? Well, what else is he going to do with him? I don't know. He just confessed that he is a murderer in front of his, his girlfriend.
1: When they woke up the next morning, Neil told them he was leaving them alone, but if they were to call anyone or do anything to get him caught, they and many others would die. They were scared enough to comply, but Suzanne, thinking on her feet again, took all of her clothes and belongings that had been in the townhouse and placed them into a bag to preserve the evidence.
0: So smart. No doubt a true corny. Corniest of the corny. Isn't that how we decided we were calling our, our people?
1: Eventually, Neil returned, then sat around the apartment for hours and said he was going to co-kill himself.
0: Suzanne continuing to agree with him at this point, like, yes, yes, please. Yeah,
1: I imagine so.
0: You are right. That's what you should do. Yeah.
1: He then told the woman they could call one male friend to come over if it would help them feel more comfortable, which they obviously did.
0: Why did he do that, just out of curiosity?
1: He's being a good guy.
0: It's just so backwards of what you would... What's that What's his IQ?
1: I don't know. why. Neil, Where would I get that information?
0: I don't know, but he does not seem to be carrying a very high one. I'll just say that.
1: No, I mean, but he. this is his, in his mind, he says, okay, I did this fucked up thing, but if I do this good thing, it cancels each other out.
0: Oh, like karma. Yeah. No, nah, I'd be like, you want to go to jail? You want to go home. You don't, you don't just bring more people over. Yeah, this is definitely like an episode of My Name is Earl, only it's so much worse.
1: David Kane came to the apartment not knowing what he was walking into until he was met by Neil's gun.
0: What did they te- what did they tell him when they called him to come over? Like I can't imagine he was expecting to just come in the room to a gun in his face.
1: They just invited him over.
0: Hey, come over. I need your help or hey, come over. We're hanging out.
1: He was told he could leave or stay, but the women would face repercussions if he were to leave. They all sat down at the table and had David listen to Neil's two-hour recorded confession. After it was over, Neil decided they were all going to the strip club. They stayed until close, sitting and watching Neil have as good a time as ever, despite the circumstances.
0: He really just never let murder or kidnapping get in the way of a good time, did he?
1: Nope, nothing got in the way.
0: It just doesn't make any sense. You just murdered two women. Three women. You just murdered three women. And don't really give a fuck and decide to go take your kidnappees to the strip club.
1: This is the same thing he did, I mean, eight hours after he murdered Candace. He That's took a... them to the strip club when he proposed to Beth.
0: This is so crazy. He's probably trying to go, like, find more victims. You know it is absolutely insane is that people that don't really, like, get into true crime are all like, Joe Exotic, this story is absolutely ass bonkers. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, but... This he guy. didn't actually murder three women and then go get a continental breakfast at a fucking strip club. Twice. Twice.
1: Didn't have tigers, though. The next morning, Neil called a friend of his that was a reporter and told him what he'd done.
0: Did he just snap? Or is he, like, completely contr- in control at this point? Or is he, like, crazy manic? What's going on with him? Spilling his guts.
1: Yeah, I think he's totally calm. He just wanted somebody to know. After speaking to the women, the reporter believed Neil when he'd said he was going to kill 30 more people. Once Neil got off the phone, he told Beth, Suzanne, and David he was going to go somewhere and kill himself.
0: Why won't he just finally follow through on all these threats? Yeah.
1: They'd be safe if they followed his exact directions. Suzanne was to call 911 and explain what happened. They were then to sit on the lawn outside so police wouldn't think David was their suspect and hurt him. Beth was then to give police his pager number and a specific time to contact him. After that, he was gone.
0: He was trying so hard to be the good guy. With all his concern for his hostages and not wanting to leave David out there to be cop bait. Here's the thing. This is like the shittiest version of Ocean's Eleven I've ever heard. Like his suicide plan is just so fucking involved. Now you're going to go outside and sit and wait with the pager and when they page me, I'm going to blow my fucking brains out. Yeah, why didn't the pager just go blow your... He didn't want to really blow his brains out. No, there's no way. He was just looking for someone to... Fuck this guy. He was literally just looking for someone to, like, listen to him. or Neil, don't kill yourself, please. Yeah, something like that. Neil, we kind of don't hate you. What Neil and the others
1: didn't know was that Rebecca, Candace, and Angela's bodies had already been found by police. When Rebecca hadn't shown up for work for three days, her supervisor called Rebecca's sister in Oregon, asking where she was. Her sister then called the police for a welfare check. A responding officer found the back door open and subsequently found the bodies after making entry. Police quickly put two and two together when they got a 911 call from Suzanne explaining what had happened. By early evening, police were in contact with Neil over the phone, trying to get him to surrender. He told them he wanted to speak with a lawyer before making any decisions, but detectives knew they'd lose valuable information if a lawyer told him to stop talking.
0: So, I mean, the confession tape wasn't good enough for them to go off of, or...
1: He was still making claims that he had killed others and he was going to kill others, so...
0: They were were trying trying to to figure it out, yeah.
1: Yeah, and they didn't have the confession tape, obviously. They hadn't listened to it yet, so they just wanted... I mean, obviously you want the words coming out of his mouth still and not just recorded. Okay. They decided to call a deputy district attorney to pose as a defense lawyer over the phone, which was completely legal because Neil was not in custody and therefore not eligible for his Miranda rights.
0: I really, really appreciate the way the coppers bend the line here, just just a little bit, just mildly questionable, but definitely in the name of getting the shit bags in jail. Just a little tweaking, you know. I'm not really even thinking that's a, any tweaking because, like, I want to talk to a lawyer. <laughs> this guy next I to got me happens a lawyer to be here. a lawyer. Yeah, you want to talk to a lawyer? I got you, buddy.
1: Unfortunately, in 2001, after Neal was in prison, the deputy DA was placed on one-year probation for his quote-unquote unethical behavior, despite the fact he was able to convince Neal to meet in a department store parking lot that night. SWAT quickly apprehended him and Mirandized him, but Neal never mentioned he wanted a lawyer.
0: I mean, he already recorded his own confession. I'm not sure why he would need a lawyer at this point. Uh, Did he just want people to know what was going on or what?
1: I don't know why he at first wanted a lawyer and then when he was actually in custody he just I think he just forgot to mention it. He was like, "Okay. Well.
0: Yep, here I'm under arrest." Yeah. I think a lawyer is just one more person to spill his guts to, right? He's just like, "I need another person on my side to hear the story." No one's going to be on his side.
1: <laughs> That's the unfortunate part of being a defense attorney though, you have to be on his side.
0: You can pretend.
1: The day after his arrest, Neil started talking to the media, telling them there were two other bodies police hadn't found yet. He then fired his public defender on television because he wasn't letting him plead guilty. They went back and forth a few times before Neil eventually decided he was going to represent himself.
0: Always the best idea.
1: He was given advisory counsel, but he did nothing more than sit back and keep his mouth shut. Jennifer Tate, Neil's ex-wife, we talked about in part one, went and visited Neil in jail. He cried and told her he missed her. But he turned off the tears when she asked why he did it. He simply shrugged and said, "That's what happens when you fuck with me."
0: Cold as a motherfucker. That's uh, like like Walter White. Hank crossed me. It's like that. I am the one who knocks. <laughs> it's like always
1: that. Batman, Roar. Why is <laughs> it always Batman?
0: I only have one voice, Katie.
1: Neil kept quiet until September 14th, 1998, when he called detectives and told them he wanted to talk without his lawyer present. None of the quotes I'm about to read are fake, despite how insane they sound. This is basically a slimmed-down transcript of their interview. Detectives started by asking Neil to walk them through the day Angela died. He warned them he might not be able to remember everything, quote, not because I'm hiding something, it's just the act. I mean, the whole scene is such a nightmare to me as well.
0: Not because I'm hiding something. It's just the act. I mean, the whole scene is such a nightmare to me as well.
1: He explained after showing Suzanne the bodies in the townhome, he took the duct tape off her mouth, quote, so that I could understand, you know, what she's going through a little bit more. I mean, I know it might sound bizarre to you. I mean, I know it might sound bizarre to you, my concern for a victim, but believe me, it was a concern because she was a beautiful young lady. She never did nothing wrong to me at all. He then told them he wanted to speak with them because there was a strong possibility there was a hit out on him, and he wanted to get the truth out before he died.
0: So basically, he wanted to trade information for filet mignon and an ice cream sundae? I don't get that joke. Because that's, like, what most people might want to eat for their last meal before they get bzz, bzz. I don't know. Uh, John Wayne Gacy ate KFC. So he wanted to trade it for KFC. One dude ate a single chickpea. What did Bundy eat? He wanted to be just like Bundy.
1: He didn't... Want to trade this interview for anything?
0: He just wanted to get it off his chest before he got whacked. I'm just saying. And there's no
1: hit out on him. <laughs> and you can't have a hit out on you in prison in <laughs> solitary confinement. Sure, you
0: can. They put hits out in prison all the time, too. They're
1: not going to get you when you're in solitary. If
0: they have they a guard on the payroll. Find a way. If they have a guard on the payroll.
1: When detectives asked how he got Angela to the house, he made sure to mention he had her take her kids to a babysitter so they were safe and that he never had any intention to hurt them. He, for whatever reason, thought that keeping the kids safe before murdering their mother was some noble act on his part.
0: It's the, like, murder's equivalent of leaving your newborn uh, at the firehouse instead of in a dumpster. It's the noble thing. So he just basically wanted them to know he wasn't a real bad guy?
1: Basically, yeah. He wants to look like a a good guy in the end of all of this. I'm gonna go ahead
0: and put it out there. Fuck this guy. Fuck this guy. But why, I'm a real nice guy. (laughs) I'm not bad or nothing. I left her children with the babysitter.
1: He then explained that Angela had died because she told people he was going to give her a house and she didn't think he was legitimately a hitman.
0: So it doesn't really seem logical to just talk shit about someone who's giving you a house, right? Something seems weird.
1: She basically said, I don't think he's actually going to give me a house. I think he's bullshitting me.
0: Oh, you mean she knew what he was doing? Yeah. Yeah, so she finally figured out his con.
1: If someone you've only been dating for a few months says that they're going to buy you a mansion in Las Vegas right next to their mansion in Las Vegas, you're going to be like, hmm. Neil then switched subjects, saying he was upset about the media claiming he'd never been an army ranger. He'd gone to all the training, but he dropped out because he was raped by a sergeant in the barracks and couldn't stand to be there anymore. He then went on a rant about how he'd never been offered any counseling, which was unfair because Suzanne was getting tons of support. Support for what she'd been through. He then briefly discussed being molested by an older woman and a priest when he was a teenager, and that's why he molested a young
0: girl. Can't anyone just have a conversation with him without it turning into a game of 20 questions or him just spilling his guts about him being touched as a kid? I mean, he uses it if this actually happened, which I'm not I'm not trying to discredit him as a rape survivor or anything. But... I mean, you
1: probably could. Because he's 99.9% sure he's bullshitting.
0: So, I think he's kind of built this up in his head as basically an excuse for everything bad that he's done here, right? Like, I, I'm not trying to say that he this didn't happen to him, and he's using it as a crutch for his bad behavior now, but... I kind of feel like it's that way. Like he uses it as a point to gain sympathy with people. Like that's one of his manipulations, right? Basically. Yeah. So they think, oh, this poor kid went out and did all this terrible shit, but he was, had this done to him. So what do we expect? Type of deal.
1: Basically. Yeah. He knew he needed mitigating factors. And after taking a break, Neil asked the detectives how they slept at night, mm-hmm. saying, I'm not trying to be nosy or disrespectful. It's just that, you know, it's enough of a horror for me, let alone what you see in your everyday jobs. They got him back on track, asking about his relationship with Candace. He said that it was strictly platonic, but she began stalking him because she wanted a sexual relationship.
0: I'm sure that's exactly what it was. Yeah. He probably saw it that way. Yeah. In his mind, his own little world he built in his head.
1: And he says... Then eventually her and I had sex, but it wasn't attraction sex to me. It was like me as a, almost like a sexual slave saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this woman just to give her what she wants to get her out of my life.
0: So his experience was every time a woman fucks him, she immediately wants him out of her life. This is just him, like, making out his prowess. To be a And I don't like what he said to the cops either. Like, this is a, enough of a horror for me. Like, dude, you're just trying to get on the same page as them. Like, when you see these things thinking that this guy's a manipulator, that's kind of all I see now is him just trying to find his in, like work into that crack and try and Kind of planned the victim a little bit almost. Not yeah. Not really, but still like I mean he's just planting the seed in their brain for like that Yeah, not we're kind bad of, as... we're kind of similar. I'm not that bad, you know, like these I are had my circumstances. Weak. Yeah, basically.
1: He then went into wanting to plead guilty for the sake of his victims because he was worried a trial would ruin their reputations. He said they don't need to know about Rebecca's sexual habits or how dirty she liked keeping her town home. I wasn't the only pig, okay? On a similar note, he said that he had killed her because, quote, I was trying to spare Rebecca the nightmare that her financial world might be coming to a close. Not that she was totally going to die, just her financial stability. She worked all her life to have that. She was greedy. She wanted to retire from the phone company. Rebecca was going to wake up to this $100,000 nightmare and never be able to pay it back until she was 65. She was going to be a slave. And you know, I grieve over that.
0: He caused that financial nightmare for her, right? Yeah. And then he... Killed her so she wouldn't have to supposedly deal with that financial problem? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, because he wasn't going to be able to pay her back.
0: But he's saying she was greedy. Oh, yeah, yeah, she was greedy because she wanted to retire. God damn her for wanting to retire. Yeah, and, you know, spend some of that money that she spent her whole life earning. Yeah. All right. He was kind of caught up on the way she kept her townhome, huh? Yeah.
1: Detectives asked how Neil was able to convince so many women to date him. He said, Look, I'm not a womanizer. I'm not here to use you sexually. I have feelings and care for you, but if you think I'm using you and just sleeping with everybody else, take yourself and your badass out of here. I'm not here just for a piece of ass. I'm here for somebody else, one-on-one. I was sensitive to them. I wouldn't ask them to do something they didn't like, but because of my experiences sexually, I could take them wherever they wanted to go and bring them back. I mean, I've been very open-minded with sex, or I would have been a stinking rapist and raping women, you know, and murdering them like Ted Bundy, so to speak, all through the years. I raped a woman. If Suzanne were the only crime I ever did in my life, I would hope you would execute me for it. That's how I feel about rape, okay? It was so wrong, nor, like I told her, would it happen again, nor am I a rapist. I don't believe I would ever rape another woman after the taste that I got on this issue, All right? It's something that I can never feel like I've washed myself enough, just like them. I know what it felt like for it to happen to me. I felt dirty all my stinking life.
0: That's disgusting. Like, All right, so. He is a rapist, though. Yeah, I mean, once you've raped, you are a rapist. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you think you're, like, taking them on the magic carpet of sexual experiences. Yeah, and he, he honestly knows that what he did was wrong. He says it's wrong. I just don't think he actually feels it's wrong. Nor am I a rapist. Yeah.
1: No, he wants them to think that he feels dirty and feels bad for doing it because it happened to him. So he knows how she feels.
0: Yeah. (laughs) He's just blowing smoke up everyone's ass. Yeah.
1: Detectives then asked if he was sexually excited by the murders themselves, which he replied, You know what? That's the most off-the-wall question I could think of. But I mean, I'm sure it's a good one in your business. First of all, murder and sex to me... I'm totally like, wow, man. I mean, I never ever I never ever considered they go together, other than rape. It's not like I had a Woody raising the axe up and killing them, alright? Waste another second on that, and you're spinning your wheels. I executed them. I wanted them to go as quickly as possible. Neil apparently hadn't heard the autopsy results, as Rebecca was the only one who died quickly. Both Candace and Angela were likely alive for several minutes after being struck. Staying on the subject, they asked why he chose a splitting mall. He said, quote, It was to put them out the best way I knew how, as quickly and silently and as fairly as I could. In fact, I believe, even though I haven't yet experienced lethal injection, it was a lot more compassionate and fair to kill them like that. Even though it didn't look real pretty, it was instant, okay?
0: See, he knew he was getting a lethal injection and he probably wanted steak and ice cream.
1: Detectives then asked about his childhood and Neil told them about all the animals he'd killed mostly cats that scratched him and dogs that bit him. He also admitted he continued killing animals as an adult, as it was better than killing humans.
0: I mean, that's some real fucked up shit. He obviously is a psycho, right? Like, he, he has psychopathic tendencies. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Okay. He saved everyone a lot of problems and just killed himself.
1: They moved back to the subject of the murders and asked how he planned on getting rid of the bodies had he not been caught. He claimed he had a spot in the woods where he'd been baiting... The quote-unquote carnivores for years for that specific purpose.
0: What did he mean by baiting the carnivores? Like probably dragging, like dragging dead things out there to so they'd come and eat.
1: He just said he'd been doing that. He'd been baiting the carnivores. I'm
0: pretty sure he probably just went out to a local spot in the wood and dumped half a dead cow, like every couple months or so. I don't think he did any of you that. Don't think, yeah, I, I I don't see him doing that either. Like, so, wait, you think he's making this up?
1: Yeah, I don't think he ever legitimately like long-term plan not killing anybody
0: oh so he's like oh yeah i got a spot out in the woods I- i've been out going out there for years he's yeah. on this whole
1: thing he's this huge hit man and he's been murdering people all this time and oh. murder for hire blah 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 and so he has to make it look like he knows what he's doing when in reality reality he has no fucking clue what he's doing right besides wrapping them up and leaving them in a townhouse he's
0: like i kill i kill all the time this is where I put the bodies with the carnivores.
1: He then mentioned Ted Bundy for the fourth time, saying, I was better than Bundy would have ever been, okay? I'm not meaning that bragging. I'm saying that I had this killer in me all my life, and I've depressed it. He'd contemplated killing at least 30 more people I was going to get within a three-day period. I had them lined up, ready to go, and there was no doubt I could have got them all. And every one of those people I knew.
0: If only it wasn't for you meddling kids. That's just what he reminded me of with his closing statements there
1: with that they ended the hours long interview
0: i think if ted bundy is your measuring stick for success you might uh be set up to fail from the start since that seems yeah i mean guaranteed if you're idolizing a serial killer for what you're doing in life you you've already failed but was he like proud of all this like super proud he seems like kind of braggy here
1: oh yeah he's definitely bragging he said he
0: wasn't bragging though
1: (laughs) he's bragging, but he's also trying to make himself look like he's better than he is, like, oh, you know, I should be executed just for the rape, not for the murders, like, if that's the only crime i had done, you should kill me for it, and this is also horrible, I don't know how you guys as detectives deal with it, so he wants to be famous, but for being that serial killer that's, like, reformed.
0: So, so you think he was kind of, like, fame hunting or, like, doing it for the clout a little bit?
1: Oh, yeah. he. I mean, he talked to media, like, constantly. He wanted everyone to know who he was.
0: Has he found Jesus in prison? Oh, yeah, he did. Oh, yeah. They always do. They always Jesus do. Jesus Christ. That's
1: why I don't talk about it, because they always do, when it never does anything. Yeah, you,
0: just, you just make an assumption. They like, <laughs> found Christ, and they think they're better people because of it. I'm sorry, Jesus. Well, Jesus has forgiven me, and that's just them putting their own ideas into what they believe is deity.
1: On February 25th, 1999, Neal pled guilty at his arraignment. Right before the hearing, he'd fired his public defender for the last time and was now representing himself. He was given special privileges for being pro se such as an extension for his death penalty hearing, 12 hours a week in the law library with another inmate as a helper, tape recorder, a cell phone, which he used to call his girlfriend, racking up around a $1,000 bill a month, and a VCR and TV in his cell to watch interviews.
0: Is pro se when you uh, represent yourself? hmm So the moral of the story is if you're in prison, represent yourself because you get all kinds of cool shit, apparently. Except for the <laughs> death like penalty. A good legal you're advice. You're, you're kind of in prison with bad legal advice. Yeah,
1: yeah they do they everything. You in the
0: law library.
1: They do everything to get you to not represent yourself. That's why you had advisory counsel cuz you technically really shouldn't like prosecutors don't go for it cuz they know when you appeal that you're more than likely to win your appeal.
0: Uh yeah, I actually uh, don't like the outcome of this. I shouldn't have been I represented myself, (laughs) and I am completely unqualified for that. Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't Um, have done that. Can we get a retrial? Just mulligan! Mulligan!
1: What they usually do is they go before the appellate judges, and they say that they were not mentally competent. To represent themselves or make the decision to represent themselves. And then they go, okay, well, yeah, you're probably right. Because you <laughs> represented yourself, you dumb shit.
0: You see, jury, at that time I was eating a bunch of spiders and just wasn't working out for There was for a me. bad batch of tobacco going around the yeah. prison. Had been up somebody's butt with coronavirus. And guess what? Now we're here.
1: He received money from his girlfriend who lived in Arizona and would use it to give $14 tips on $6 haircuts.
0: Seems like a really, really pricey prison fade, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, haircuts are a privilege, not a right, Jake. I don't. I didn't even. I thought you traded a bag of ramen for a haircut. No, no.
1: There's no. prison barbers. Yeah, they make money off of it.
0: I, I know they like have people lined up, but they have those in regular old county. But still, I never seen anyone give. They don't have money. This is 1999. Your commissary money. Yeah, this is 1999, and you do have commissary money that you can spend, I guess. That's
1: like a job in prison. So you have one guy who's getting, what, 25 cents an hour to cut hair, and then you pay with your commissary money $6 oh, to the no. prison to go see that guy and get your hair cut.
0: Okay, I see what you're saying.
1: Some jails will not have a specified person doing hair, and it'll just be like, okay, well, you're a trustee, so we'll give you some, they even basically, gave them some clippers. razors. Yeah, because you're a trustee.
0: Ah, uh. Trusted minimal security motherfucker gets the clippers.
1: Neil's death penalty trial began in September of 1999. Prosecutors were tasked with proving aggravating factors, which they did by calling Suzanne and the families of the women murdered. Neil, attempting to be noble again, chose not to cross-examine the prosecution's witnesses. He also chose not to testify himself and only called a few witnesses to prove his mitigating factors. None of them were his family, who did not show up for any part of the trial. On September ninth, 1999, the judges announced, quote, the only penalty for the brutal, needless killing visited upon these kind and lovely ladies is death. His death penalty was commuted to life in 2003, and he is still alive and well in the Colorado State Penitentiary at 64 years old.
0: Why was his death sentence commuted? Because he found Jesus?
1: No, Colorado's a de facto non-capital punishment, so basically it's not, they haven't abolished it, but... They treat it as law that they don't execute people.
0: Ah, so if the right person comes into power at some point... I think they've could... executed
1: one person since they reinstated capital punishment in 78.
0: So there's still hope. <clears throat> there's still hope that he could get...
1: Yeah, there's He'll a couple A couple crimes that they'll give you death for, but they don't ever execute him. I think
0: once you're, it's been commuted to life, you can't go back and be like, well, actually, we're going to kill you now. I think we should. Yeah, and no, I think you we can't could. Do that. I think we could.
1: How would that happen? They can't appeal for.
0: Yeah, who's a gonna stricter
1: appeal? sentence? Hey, yeah. buddy,
0: you were supposed to be put to death. and then we like said no, and we're not going to give you the steak and ice cream. And now, bada bing, you're going back. Bingo bango, you are back on death row for real. But fuck this guy. This guy sucked. Mm-hmm. Bingo yeah. bango, back on death row. That should be our new catchphrase.
1: If only the legal system worked that way. It yeah. would work.
0: <laughs> this is how we're going to just get rid of all the fucks. So, does that, does that do it for Mr. <laughs> uh, Neil's story here?
1: Yep. That is it.
0: <laughs> this dude is crazy. So, murdered a bunch of people with a mall. A splitting women, mall. A splitting mall. Potentially kidnapped a couple of children.
1: Maybe. Well, yeah, when he was a kid, he might have kidnapped one girl and murdered her after raping her. But...
0: But, he, but he definitely did molest the little girl. He was a rapist, murderer, all around piece of shit. Maybe a rapee potentially had been raped but doesn't excuse his uh violence later in life uh god damn what a fucker
1: yeah piece of yeah, shit yeah fuck this guy
0: yeah but all right guys well i guess that's gonna do it for uh william lee neal uh part two willie lee thank you very much for listening and as always if you have any questions comments or concerns you can feel free to send us an email at four crimecast at com. that's f-o-u-r corners crimecast at com
1: you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Four Corners crime cast on Instagram at Four Corners Crimecast, and on Twitter at Four Corners Crime with a number four.
0: And give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and check out our new website, fourcornerscrimecast.com. That's F-O-U-R Corners dot com. Head over there for a full episode list to send us ideas for an episode or to just get your free sticker from our merch store. Just enter your code bingo bango at checkout and we will ship out your sticker 100% free. Hope you guys have a good week and uh, don't spill your guts, even if it's because you're really, really sick from the coronavirus. Keep it in.
1: Should we mention that we're doing a special episode? with a special guest <laughs> about... All you cool cats and kittens!
0: <laughs> oh yeah, all you cool cats and kittens. We're well, actually all you cornies. Why don't you go ahead and give us a listen on our next special episode coming out soon? Hopefully, we'll be recording it here in the near future, so we can get it out to you sometime this week. But uh, are we gonna tell them what it is? No,
1: I think they'll, they'll, get it. Guess. they'll
0: guess. They'll guess. They'll guess. They'll know. But we'll have some <laughs> special guests. Uh, crossover episode. I mean, it's a big topic, so I'm sure a lot of people that are talking bitch. about it. But we'll definitely let, definitely know let you know what's going on with that or you'll hear about it or it'll be out yeah I'll we'll just, just post it will just post it you're in quarantine
1: like, you have nothing better to do than listen to us talk this,
0: this is yeah. true that's why we're gonna give you some extra shit alright guys well have a good week thanks for listening
1: see ya adios motherfuckers
0: oh you're trying to make me feel bad now yeah you should you feel you should feel real proud of my mom that she did so well I am proud of your mom yeah She's I am very proud of you mother.